What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. After the pandemic, we have been working in either remote settings or hybrid settings. Many companies are still trying to figure this out. There's one company that we've spoken to recently, and we're going to talk to today, that was distributed by design. And we're really going to dig into how they use analytics and frameworks to build the organization very deliberately from day one. My name is CT. Welcome to the HR Impact Show. Today, we have the great pleasure of having with us Evelyn Bassett. She's the Group Vice President, Total Rewards, HR Operations, Systems Analytics, Workforce Expansion, and ESG Sustainability at Elasticsearch. Thank you so much for being with us on the show today, Evelyn. Thank you for having me, CT. Appreciate it. So tell us a little bit more about Elasticsearch as a company and what you do there. Elastic as a company, actually, we have truncated. It was originally Elasticsearch. We now just go by Elastic because we actually have three solutions, as we call them. We have Search, originally Elasticsearch, which was our first preeminent solution. Everyone is searching something every single day. And we're one of the biggest out there when it comes to search, providing search capabilities. And then the other two solutions are observability. So that means if you're a company that is ingesting a lot of data, you'll need to observe that data. There's patterns in it. There's performance, that kind of stuff. So for instance, say you're a mobile phone company, you're ingesting tons and tons of data. You'll need a company like ours to help you observe it. And then the third solution here is cybersecurity. So search observability. And security is really what Elastic is all about. So it's not a common household name, but for instance, I'll give you an example. If you're familiar with Uber or Lyft, say Uber and you order a car, that's our technology in behind. Uber is using our search capabilities to go and match a driver with a passenger. So we're a business to business company that supports thousands of other businesses to help them run their companies. So you're using Elastic every day. You just don't know you're using it. If you looked up a stock price or you went through an airport through immigration or what have you, that's going to be our technology supporting those efforts. Yeah, thank you. I was going to say, as a technology company, I'm super familiar with Elastic. We see you guys all the time. But for many of our listeners, that it may not be that familiar. And it, it looks like they just decided, hey, Evelyn's great. Let's just chuck everything at her. What would you say is the achievement that you're most proud of across all of these roles? I'm going to say during these times, it's going to be the Be Well. We call it Be Well. It's a well-being program. It's more than a program. It's really the essence. Uh, it's our Be Well and all of the things that we've put into that curated for our, we call our employees elasticians. It's elastic elasticians. Through what is a very unprecedented time. So if you look back in history, there's really nothing like this. When you come from the pandemic and what happened in around the movement around our civil rights, like the civil rights movement, political landscape, 
all of the things that took us through isolation through that pandemic, there's just been so many things unprecedented that we have had to experience. And the HR function, the people function leading through that. So be well for me is absolutely important. Probably top of my list because our employees have come through this feeling very much supported. And we know that as evidenced by some of the feedback that we get, both externally through other organizations giving us awards for it, or our own employees, more importantly, through our own engagement and our poll surveys telling us that these efforts have really made a difference in not only their lives, but their families' lives. So there's a bunch that goes in under Be Well. That's probably a whole other episode, but at the end of the day, to all of what we do, it's having humanity at the forefront of not just putting business and the almighty dollar sign there. It's really about our human resources and the humanity in that. So very proud of all of that work. Sound like quite a multidisciplinary task force um, that just cuts across many different aspects of the work. If you were to think about your moonshot goal for next year, what would make 2024 a home run? You. One of the things that we actually have as a company is an AI and artificial intelligence product called Esray. We actually sell that as part of our suite of products available to other businesses. We certainly don't want to be the shoemaker's kid without any shoes. So we are teaming internally to better understand how Esray can help us in HR and just crawl again, really amp up productivity for our own teams in terms of getting to information, synthesizing it, turning it into available information for our ELAS. So for me, the moonshot is, even though it feels like it's ready there, available to us, we become a client like other clients. And it's better understanding how as right with, again, my team are not engineers by nature. We have data scientists, but there is a, a way to better understand that product and ingest it so that we can absolutely amp up on productivity and efficiency, effectiveness in what we do. And to your point, I manage eight different businesses within the HR function. And it, it, it's all of the, what we would call this, mostly the centers of excellence. So with that, just creating a better operations and getting to information and knowledge quickly in this day and age, especially not even just finding information, it's anticipating what your needs are. It's going further than just getting inquiries in and figuring things out to being ready with information, anticipating it, going further for our elasticians. So when do you see that Ezra product being like a front-facing employee self-serve interface for elasticians, or is that something that's going to support the business partners for the people team, the HR team on the back end? Yeah, good question. We're early days. I would say we're taking a page on partnering with the sales side of the business because you're now beginning to use the product for the sales team. And so we're taking out a page and working with them to better understand how we could use it in HR. And yes, I would say the first step would be for our immediate team and then to better understand how it can be front-facing to our employees. We also have one of our vendors in a distributed environment like this is ServiceNow. And they have a virtual agent. So we'll have to figure out how their AI capabilities as a provider of venture to us would live with. And they do. There's connectors between our AI and the ServiceNow AI and really how we optimize it for our employees. But imagine a day where any device, anywhere, anytime, and it's anticipating some of what you need as an employee, either through your life cycle with us or a stage that we're at together or recent searches that you might have done, 
it's just much more powerful than the responsive reactive mode that most companies are in when it comes to addressing inquiries that are coming in. We, we can get ahead of it. It is a moonshot, way more to go. The first step really is to better understand what we can do for ourselves first to operationalize, optimize that way and create some productivity. It sounds like I, I should circle back in a year and have a different episode on that specific topic. That would be so cool. What do you think is one leadership or HR myth that you just wish would go away? It's an interesting question. HR in general gets a bad rap for not really being business savvy and more specifically, not really understanding financials and things of that nature or data. And of course, in what I do, that's not the case. I have both HR analytics, I have compensation and, and benefits for that matter. And we occupy the number one and two spot on the P&L, the profit and loss statements. In general, though, HR has come a long way. When I started my career over 30 years ago, and hard to believe I'm even saying that, it was called the personnel department, personnel. And what a difference to really migrate it over in a large way. Yes, still human resources. Some companies have called it people function and other names, but it is far more than that in the sense that it's a strategic partner sitting adjacent to the CEO. If you think about it, the number one resource in any company, unless you're manufacturing something, but in a professional environment like ours, it is your people. So. The CHRO or the chief people officer becomes a very strategic position. It is certainly dialed way, way away from the early administrative payroll processing type thinking to a much more strategic partner who's business savvy, understands numbers, who can help with making sage, optimized decisions, not just financially focused, but with all of the resources in view, which is largely your people. It's a great one because you wouldn't be talking on the personnel impact show for sure. We've now come a long way. I think sometimes we, we don't give the function enough credit. I, I think as function, HR is still continually trying to reinvent itself and make that difference in the business. And, and I like that about the function because it's so value driven where everyone's always thinking about how do I earn that seat at the board table? One of the forcing mechanisms, definitely one of the external factors that is really moving this along is just typically financial disclosure, now just disclosure. So if you think about public companies, what they're required to do, they're required to disclose. And now you have a whole section on human capital management, CM, which requires you to disclose a bunch of things. It's not just your financial disclosures, it's your human capital. And what investors really want to know is that you have a company that is thinking about all of these things in terms of how you run your company, care and handling of your employees, those sort of things has caused the narrative to change from simply just financial disclosures to now a more fulsome view of your resources. So that has certainly helped move that discussion along in terms of the seat at the table for HR, because who better can talk about your human resources than your head of HR? Not again, whether it is your CEO and your CFO doing the earnings calls, you're going to have a big view of this in terms of your people. The other thing too, which has helped move this along, and it depends on where it sits in a company, the other part of disclosure and where the momentum is around ESG and sustainability. So companies who are thinking about the world stage and what their part is in it and contributing to a sustainable 
not only our company as a company, but an ecosystem, a sustainable ecosystem. So all of these are really just moving. These are forcing mechanisms that are moving these things in that direction. And it's broadening the lens just away from financials. It's so great that the financial community and the investors are actually demanding that level of disclosures today. Because and the other thing that I might add to what you're saying is through the pandemic, the role of HR has just been mm-hmm. elevated and the gauntlet was really thrown down to HR to say, we really need some solid thinking about our people today and how um, we can get people to work. And I think that kind of ties us into to what we're talking about today, right? Where, where I think Elastic really took that point of view from day one and was very strategic about how you implemented that distributed workforce. And, and I love how detailed the thinking is that we're talking about being distributed by design rather than being remote. Walk us through the difference. What's the difference between having a distributed workforce versus a remote workforce? Yes. Lots of times folks use that term interchangeably and they think it's actually the same thing. Being distributed and being remote are similar, salt and pepper maybe, but they're different. And here's why remote denotes that you are remote from some place. And it's usually you're remote from an office environment that you're either domiciled to or you're attached to or somehow. And there's even an expectation typically that you will visit or frequent that office at some point. That frequency depends on the company. In a distributed environment, there is no expectation that you need to go in person other than when we design, intentionally design and assemble folks together. But your day-to-day work environment is where you find yourself to be most productive. Now, it can't entirely be nomadic where you're just traveling, although we have had some instances where people are traveling the world and and going around doing that through RVs, recreational vehicles. But largely speaking, it's going to be in locations around the world and in environments where you feel most productive. For me, this is my home. It has to have a secure location though, meaning secure internet and security is obviously one of our solutions. So we're looking for stable secure internet connections, but it could be in a satellite office. It could be in some other environment where you find that most productive in around the world, globally. I can work anywhere pretty much. Well, in areas that I really say we support globally. I'm currently here in the United States, in the West Coast of the United States. I could work on the East Coast. I work in Canada. I could work in the UK. So I'm not remote to some office headquarters or otherwise that there's an expectation I live proximal to that. If I choose to relocate somewhere, of course, I'll change my address details with Elastic, but you're distributed. Distributed means we're distributed in many different places, locations, and we're in over 40 different countries at this stage, obviously on different continents and different time zones, all working together. Yeah, that is really interesting when it comes to the design component of it, because it's not like you're just managing a team of five or six people. How many thousand were you guys at again? About 3,000 employees, just shy of that. We did go through, as other companies did, we took a pause on our headcount growth, but yes, we're about 3,000. Wow, it's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you 
This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community, get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. What are some of the key principles that you use to think through like making people successful, making these 3000 elasticians? successful when they are completely distributed? It really does start from the top, although he's not our CEO today, his founder and prior CEO, Shai Bannon, who had a really strong sense of what it meant to be distributed and how to organize it. So working from his direction and now he's CTO of the company, rightfully, because he's decided to relocate and take another view of how he's with us at Elastic. But while he was CEO and I joined over five years ago, it was about making sure we had structure, consistent structures. How does that get demonstrated or manifested? You have to have technology like Slack, as an example, a tool that we can collaborate one to another. We happen to use Zoom and so did many others once we went through the pandemic. But you have to imagine this was pre-pandemic. So we were on Zoom using Slack and collaborating you have to have things that allow you to project manage seamlessly. We use a tool called Monday.com. But even more so than the tools, as a leadership team, they had already had very frequent what we call AMAs, ask me anything, and or company all hands. And that absolutely kept everyone connective tissue, being able to submit on a tool called Slido questions. And making sure that everyone was feeling connected. We have something called our source code, which is something that Shai, he drafted and wrote and worked with his leadership team. They're more than a set of values, they're belief systems. And for instance, one of those is we all have accents. If you're operating globally, I have an accent to somebody else. So why is that important? Because when you have Ask Me Anything or AMAs, you're asking questions that make your experience connected to the cluster of, and our logo is a cluster of everyone else. So we come together, we assemble and that communication, that construct and having all of the tools, we work with a lot of agility. We work with a lot of speed. Speed scale relevance is another one of our attributes in one of our beliefs out of our source code. And that's demonstrated. If someone needs me, typically our calendars are open. You can see what we're doing. Or you can choose to make it private if you want to. It's just about having that ability to work with agility and having the tools to support it. So that's really important. We also create experiences. And what I mean by that, even though we're virtually located globally, we have a fantastic workplaces team. And we do have offices, by the way, if you choose. It's a choice to go. We may want to go into one of those offices. But we do things where we will create flat groom and have them team up together. So folks working in entirely different functions that I would have no work assignments associated with, we'll get together and twice a year do some stuff together. A company gives us a budget to do that. There's other things like we call it donut, where you're randomly selected with someone else and you just meet. We call it donut over like a, a coffee, getting to know each other. There's things that you can join in on meditation or a yoga session. There's a bunch of sessions you can join in and learn something that other elasticians are leading. So there's all these things we curate to make sure that at any given day, really at Elastic, something is happening. It's a community. 
And you can tap into that while we have virtual environments. The other thing that we have done to make sure it's connected is once a year, depending on where you are in the organization, could be more than once, we'll get large teams together so that they see each other in person. So we flip the equation around. Other companies, you see each other in person most every day in an office, and then you have your own personal time. We flip it the other way. We'll generally be in our own productive environments, and then we'll see each other once, sometimes some groups up to two, three, four times a year. But we don't need to see each other every day in order to effectively collaborate and do all the wonderful things that we do together. One of the trickiest things about having a distributed workforce is assessing and evaluating the health of the organization on a regular basis because you don't have that sensory input where you're face-to-face and in-person. So you have to rely on metrics and data, but at the same time, it's so easy to get drowned by metrics and data. So what is Elastic's approach to thinking about organizational health And what are some of the key metrics that you guys watch? In our emerging days, I built an HR analytics team, and that's still an evolving team. We have separated out KPIs, or actually what we're calling KHIs, key health indicators, versus the many metrics you can stare at. Because I use metaphors a lot. A thousand flowers can bloom. And what do you look at? What does that tell you? But if you can decisively get it down to a slate of key performance indicators, what we're calling key health indicators, because we're looking at people factors, and those are aligned to your business strategy, then you're rowing the boat in the same direction. And then you're looking for patterns. And not only just are you able to get insights, you'll be able to get into the world of predictive analytics, which allows you to look into the future and start leaning into that. So we're curating a slate of KH. That motion then becomes, like I said, it's a tie to our organizational goals and strategy. And then we'll meet with the senior leaders twice to four times a year to go through that slate and create an advisory capacity of that. So my team will be the advisor meeting alongside other HR teams like recruiting and our HR business partners and the internal health of the organization. That way we do engagement and pulse surveys. So teaming up with those folks and then meeting with those business leaders to go through an advisory, hey, business leader, here's what we can tell you. We have the data and the insights that we're seeing on that spectrum, the content, and our partners have the context. So while we might look at a data point that looks like attrition is rising, one of my peers might have some context as to why that is, some recent event or some change in operating model or structure or something to qualify what we're seeing. And that creates for a very robust business discussion. We're doing that through technology. We partner with a vendor called One Model that enables us to customize our own internal dashboard, which at the fingertips of a leader, if you can, can go in and open up a dashboard, getting into the cockpit of the airplane or the seat of the car, you can see all of your indices and make a better determination of the health of your organization at any given day. And then we'll come in an advisory capacity and really amp that up to connect dots that otherwise might not be as apparent, like how performance is achievement on sales and how that relates to the health of employees internally, as we're seeing it across other indicators. What are some of the biggest questions that you feel that this approach has allowed you to answer 
about organizational health or is there something that you wish that, that you're currently working on that's like the biggest question that you try to answer? I wouldn't say it's a surprise, but we lean into diversity and diversity comes in, in many different flavors, whether it is ethnicity, sure, but it's also gender, it's also tenure, it's also ageism. There's a number of things that diversity means and we lean into that. There's another part of our source code about come as you are, and making sure that our workforce, our distributed workforce is demonstrative of those aspects. We're seeing an array of things that complement rather than create tilted patterns. So there should be a promotion rate across the slate of all of that, or our hiring practice should be emblematic of the local locations that we're in. We're looking for all of those patterns and ensuring leaning into it and doing great work there to help our leaders better understand it. It is not about just looking at numbers and drawing some hasty conclusions. It's about peeling back that onion and better understanding and getting insights. If you could summarize everything into a set of uh, a framework or a checklist, how would you advise another chief HR officer thinking about being deliberate and, and designing a, a successful and effective distributed it does start with frameworks, frameworks first, and then drawing the insights out of that. The frameworks help you be consistent. If you're going to do this or attempt to do this, you have to think about how can you create global frameworks, but then make them locally relevant. I'll okay. use maybe an American metaphor. I call it sometimes the IKEA model, not the distributed model. If you've ever been in an IKEA store, you follow a path. And it's very structured and you go through the same departments. And typically at the end of that experience, studies have been done. I, I forget the dollar value, but most people have stuff at the end of that because the last part of that path is the cashier. Imagine that path. If you looked at the cashier or a checkout, pretty much everyone has different stuff, but they followed the same path. So why is this important? It's because in a distributed by design model, you're intentional about creating a global framework but there's flexibility within that framework to shop and pick up whatever is needed for you as an individual in this metaphor. Same idea. You could be located in Brazil or Germany or the UK, but you are going to anchor to a global job level framework that is tied to a pay band. There will be transparency on what your pay range is how you sit within that pay. The compa ratio is a standard term used to look at pay and where you sit. You create these global frameworks and then have them so that they're locally relevant. It goes across every part of operating, whether it be standardizing travel and expense and what the rules of engagement are around that. That's outside my remit. That's uh, managed by another team. But the thinking is the same, where in order to do this intentionally, you have to think broadly globally. One of the traps is you cannot think like a U.S. company that you're then going to try to do this internationally. That's another sand trap. This truly is a global company operating globally and therefore creating global frameworks and then having pressure testing it, getting receptivity, making sure that it's working. So we have a number of guidelines and arrows that we, we lean in, into. I love that. So global frameworks, but locally relevant. And yes. I loved also the metaphor and the idea of having the employee journey, like uh, walk through Ikea. That's something that's really stuck with me. If people wanted to find you to continue this conversation, what's the best way for them to do so? 
certainly hit me up on LinkedIn, but I will say I do have a big remit, as you can tell from my titles. I'll try to be as available as I can. I do have other members of my team that certainly could talk about this as well. If you're a mid-sized, small, mid-sized company, we had a competitive advantage to other companies really until the pandemic hit and then everyone became essentially distributed. But we know that companies are calling people back to work for other reasons. And it's created a real competitive advantage for us because there's so many benefits as to why if you're working in the most productive place you can, there's a win for the company. So yeah, if you're really serious about it and something you truly want to explore, please find me on LinkedIn and I can take it further. Thank you so much uh, for hanging with us today, Evelyn. And for those of you listening, thank you so much for joining us today and I hope you enjoyed the show. Do head on over to www.engagerocket.co slash hrimpact to find more show notes, write-ups, and the rest of our community that are featured there. I'm sure that you'll find something and little nuggets that will be useful for you. I've been CT and uh, had a great pleasure speaking with Evelyn today. See you again next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.